worship you, Father of all creation, King of kings and Lord of lords. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. Hallelujah. 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 Make a joyful noise to the Lord.
It's not going to be one pampara somewhere and everybody know. It is going to be a sound released in the spirit. And those whose antennas are connected to it will hear the sound. And so some two people will be here and one person will hear. And the other one will be like, what are you talking about? Because the sound will be a sound of the spirit. And so over the past two, three months, one of the major things the Lord has been bringing to the body is an awakening of a consciousness of priesthood. And so in the next few minutes, I want to share with us about understanding priesthood. Understanding priesthood. Now, many of us, it might be, it might sound like a strange phrase to many people, as simple as it looks. But I want to just start by saying, every time you see a throne, there's an altar behind it. Every time you see a king, there's a priest backing him up. If a king is going to be strong, the priest backing him must be strong. If, an, if a throne has to have dominion, then the altar that services that throne must be very effective. That means when God begins to bring the consciousness of priesthood to his sons, it means there's a new dimension of dominion he needs to bring you into. Because there are things that you and I cannot contain or operate if our altars and the priesthood activity is not in shape. You understand what I'm saying? So every throne has an altar. Everything has a priest. Amazingly, even the throne of God in heaven has an altar. God's own throne, he has an altar. And the, the, the people on the other side understand these things more than the sons of the kingdom. They understand it. And this is the reason why many believers fail out of politics. Believers come, they want to delve into politics. They want to delve into some kinds of things, struggle for positions of authority, for thrones and for, and for centers. They begin to struggle. They enter into politics. They do all the things that need to be done. But the people you are competing with come out in the night, make sacrifices while the believer is snoring in his room. The people you are competing with come out in the night, make all kinds of incantations and Enchantments while the believer is sleeping in his room. And then when he wakes up in the morning, he begins to say, I know who I am. Sometimes the strength behind the declaration is what happened in the night. The Bible says, Night unto night. There is a revealing that occurs in the night, and day is the time for utterance. So the revelations that come in the night are what you utter in the daytime. So if there's no engagement for revelation in the night, then your utterance in the daytime won't have power. Except the clouds be full of rain, they will not empty upon the earth. There has to be something that will rise for the heavens to have something to release. And God is bringing sons of God to a new awakening of a consciousness of their priesthood. Do you know, sir, that in the Old Testament, the, the, the Israelites, the Israelites, they'll be going for war. They are not the strongest, but they'll carry the ark. They'll make some kinds of things, offerings to the Father and do all kinds of things. They'll go with the ark. Sometimes the Lord will tell them, you are going for war. We are let people singing praise be in front. Who goes for war with people singing praise in front? And they will carry the ark and be releasing all kinds of incense. Commotion will come upon the camp of the enemy. But you know there was one particular battle they went for. Before that war, one of those days, they went to battle. Joshua took the Israelites and they were fighting in the valley. They were fighting in the valley. Joshua and Israelites against the others. And while they were fighting, at a point, it would be as if Joshua and them are winning. At other times, it would be as if they are losing. 
the thing kept like that until they noticed that the fluctuation in their winning or losing was dependent on the position of Moses' hands. So there was somebody on the mountain behind them. When Moses' hand is lifted, Joshua and Israelites will be winning. When Moses' hand comes down, Joshua and Israelites will start losing. And so Moses kept keeping his hands up. And when his hands were weak, two men came and kept it up. Because you will realize that the real battle was not in the valley, it was in the mountain. The part that the Bible may not have told you is that the other people fighting the Israelites also had people on their mountain. You don't understand what I said. Those that were fighting in the valley with the Israelites, they also had other people on other mountains raising hands on their behalf. So it was now not necessarily a battle of the valley, it was a battle of the mountains. It was a battle of the mountains. And so by the time they understood that, they did everything to make sure that Moses' hand remained up until Joshua then won the battle. And then one day, they went for fight. And when they came to that battle, the Israelites were winning, winning. They were driving the Moabites back up to their gates. In short, everyone was already relaxed. They had won this battle. And suddenly, the king of Moab came out and saw that he had no hope. He had no hope. There was no people had lost. The Bible said he stretched his hands and picked his first begotten son. He held to his throne, picked him up and slaughtered him. So he didn't just kill. See, when you say slaughtered him, he slaughtered him as a sacrifice to their God. Suddenly, suddenly, it was as if there was a thorn in the pipe. And the Israelites that were willing began to. Because these people engaged a sacrifice that pulled some things in their direction. Let me show you an analogy, sir. If, for instance, two men come together to fight, you know, these two men, they are both, sorry, they are both um, this size, pure water bottle size. But now, the man on the left has a God, a God. And his God is a thank you, sir. His God is a lion. His God is a lion. And then this other man on the right has a God too. And his God is maybe a dog. Okay? His, his God is a dog. Now, on a normal day, if two of them come to fight and they both engage their gods. The man whose God is a lion will win easily. Simple. He, he won't. That's the, uh, whose dog is it? Is it all this Lebanese dog that will come and come and face the lion? No. There won't even be a fight. The lion will slaughter him. But now imagine that they are supposed to fight in six months, and in those six months, the man whose God is a dog. Feeds him a goat every day. A goat every day for those six months. And then the man whose God is a lion feeds him a wrap of shawarma every Sunday. Hmm? A wrap of shawarma every Sunday. Once a week. Then the other one feeds a goat every day. By the time they come back in six months, what do you think will happen? The tide will change. The tide will change. The man with the lion, even though everybody knows, ah, lion is a bigger lion, is, they will be looking like this. The man will be slaughtered with his lion. This is why many times believers are asking, but eh, why is God? How can God have allowed it? How did God allow this one to happen? How, did, how come this happened? No, it wasn't God that allowed it, it was you. That allowed it. It was you. David met Goliath on a normal day. There's no battle. There's no. There's nothing. No measurement between David and Goliath. 
if you read that scripture carefully, you will notice that Goliath didn't just come with weapons. He came in the name of his gods. Yes. Yes. And David also came in the name of his gods. And before that day, David met Goliath. David had been in the bush, engaging his God morning, afternoon, and night. That was why when he came and met the king, the king wanted to offer him a, a set of weapons and armor to wear. He said, King, I appreciate this, but I cannot use it. I have not engaged with them. I have not practiced with them. There was something he had been engaging with for days, for weeks, for months. He said, you come to me with this and that. I come to you in the name of my God. He said, a lion came one day and took one of our sheep. I went after him, brought out the sheep from his mouth. A, a bear came the next day. I went after him. He said, this man will become like one of them. This was a man who had been engaging with his God. And so, when God wants to bring you into a new sphere of dominion, he begins to expose you to new understandings of priesthood. Because the time is coming. Those days of, uh, you know, um, politics is a dirty game. Uh, Christians should not be engaging in politics. I used to ask them, who dirty the game? And how will the game become clean? If somebody else doesn't clean it. Meanwhile, the Bible says if the righteous is in power, the people will rejoice. Then other people are now saying the righteous should not enter because the place is dead. And then they want to rejoice. <laughs> Every time God begins to awaken a consciousness of priesthood, it's because a level of dominion is bringing. The Bible says in Peter, he said, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. There's something beautiful about royal priesthood. The beautiful thing about royal priesthood is that it is a priesthood that has royalty. In other words, it is one being that is both a king and a priest. In other words, because in the Old Testament or in many other places, you have a separate priest and a separate king. And then what the he has to engage with the king. The king now responds. So the priest represents the men before God. The king represents God before men. But now that bridge is collectively packed inside one day. And God called him a royal priesthood. He said it is a priest that sits on the throne. In other words, this is a priest that engages with God. But he's also royalty that exercises to so, what I'm about to show you today is something that if you understand, your prayer will change, your life will change. The way you react or engage in so many things will change. Because in just understanding royal priesthood, there's a principle there. Royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. The priesthood that God gave us is a place where he put man. God put man as a gateway between the invisible realm and the real, invisible reality. So, as a, especially the new creation man. The new, it, it, it's, funny, it's funny that believers don't even have an idea who they are. It's funny that believers have no idea who they are. It is not enough to say that the new creation is greater than Adam. The question is, do you really know how great Adam was? Because if you know how great Adam was, you will realize that you are living below Adam's potential. Meanwhile, you are saying you have access to something greater. You know how great Adam was before he fell. Do you know, did you notice that when they created, when God finished creating Genesis chapter 1, created everything and said it was good, it was good, it was good. When he came to Genesis chapter 2, all of a sudden there was nothing. Everything that was created in Genesis chapter 1, you now come to chapter 2. They say, ah, that this was the, this is the generation of the earth before any plant was in the field, before any tree was there. Because God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. Because there was no man to till the ground. So that means everything God created. 
created in Genesis chapter 1 was technically created in the spirit. And he couldn't get access into materiality without the man. So God needed a man as a gateway for the things in the spirit to be brought into reality. Which was what happened when the Bible says that God brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. To see what he would name them. He wasn't calling them lion. Okay, you goats. Okay, you. No. We need to understand what a name is. A name is the totality of all that encompasses a being. Yes, sir. That's why you need to know the name of a child before you name him. Yes, sir. Do you understand? Yes. You need to know he shall be called Emmanuel because. Because. Not he shall be called. Because just just woke up, one thing, anything that enters your name, there is a name that you are responding to by the one you utter. You need to know the real name and then respond to it. That's what. So when they brought the animals to man, what they were bringing in to, to him to do was to name them. In other words, God gave them form. was the one that was being waited for to bring everything created in part one, in, in chapter one into reality. That was the same way these animals needed Adam to actually be. So Adam would take one and put him into naturality with the nature that would define his being. That was what he was naming. Because if you say he was calling lion goat, which language was he speaking? In Eden. That was the old man. That was the old man. The Bible says the first Adam became a living soul. But the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. And as we took the nature of the first Adam, we now partake of the nature of the last Adam, of who the last Adam became. So, believers need to even understand that as you are now, you are a gateway between the living and the dead. You are a gateway. Somebody said there's a thin line between life and because I'm the one that determines who dies or who lives. You know what they talked about Aaron in the Old Testament? He said there was once a time when a plague was destroying the Israelites. And the Israelites were dying by their numbers. Dying by their numbers. And the Bible said that Aaron the high priest wore his garment and ran and stood between the living and the dead. And by standing, not by praying, Know why? Because the death sitting on this side cannot pass through the yes, yes, It can pass through Aaron. Did you realize that as long as Aaron was wearing the priestly robe, he couldn't die? Yeah, yeah. God had to tell him, remove that robe so that you can die. Because that robe confers a degree of undiability to the one that is wearing it. Meanwhile, meanwhile, this is an old testament shadow of something you and I have access to in the new. New Testament. God now begins to bring an awareness to you. Because many believers live as victims while confessing they are victors. Live as victims. Why? Because they don't understand how to engage the altar. So you come on the throne and you want to make declarations and you feel there's no power. Because you've not engaged the altar. In Revelation I'm going to just read that scripture. Revelation chapter 8 um, from verse 1. Maybe we can read it from here. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw seven angels who stood before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar that was before the throne. So this is the altar before the throne of God. And the smoke from the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. This is priesthood. 
This is dominion. This is the kingly exercising of authority. Before that angel could carry the coals and release on the earth, the Bible says incense had to rise. Incense had to rise. There was given to him much incense. The problem with believers is that they don't give attention to incense. We are more interested in our needs. Our needs. Father, give me this. Lord, give me, give me, give me. Give me this, give me that. That's, that's all that believers pray. Let me ask you a question. A sincere question. If you had the job of your dreams and they were paying you the money you wanted and you are marrying the wife of your dreams and you have all the children of your dreams and they are all in their schools and they are all being catered and there's no village people pursuing you and there's no attack coming from anywhere and there's no devil sending whatever against you will you still have a prayer life? No. I asked somebody, let me not ask me what do I be praying for? Because we have missed the actual thing that prayer is. Prayer is not a gimme gimme. Prayer is intimacy. If you if you marry a wife and all she's doing is giving, that's a saprophant. Parasite. Or a husband or vice versa. Or you're getting somebody and every time is give me this, give me. The person has never contributed intellectually or physically or socially or materially to your well-being. That's a parasite. It's not a relationship. There's nothing mutual about it. The reason God called you to pray is for personal, is for his pleasure. His pleasure. Intimacy. Do you know that even the ability to talk in tongues is a bedroom language? Yes, sir. The Bible says, mm. he that speaketh an unknown tongue doesn't speak to men, mm. but to God. No man understands him. Yes, In the spirit, they are offering mysteries. Yes, that means it is just you and God having koinonia. Yes, it's just you and God interacting in realms where other men are not involved. Meanwhile, the people that were given the ability to talk in tongues have taken that ability and are using it to pursue them. To pursue them. Listen, if you realize how insignificant the devil is, you will realize you are the one giving him significance. Because as long as you keep giving the devil attention, he will keep giving you suggestions. That's why one of the greatest things you can ever do to the devil, one of the things he hates most, is for you to look at him and take control, ignore. <laughs> That's one of the worst things you can ever do to him. But if you look at this place, God gave us a template for prayer. A template. He said the angel came and was carrying a censer. That censer, he was giving much incense. Much incense. And incense is talking about him. Incense is that thing you offer that is pleasurable to the world. That thing is that sacrifice you are offering. You are releasing to him that sweet smelling sound. And he was giving much incense. The angel kept releasing the incense. Releasing the incense. Do you notice that he said he had much incense and the prayers of the saints were intertwined inside the incense? Mm. The incense was so much that if you're not careful, you might not notice the prayers. Because that was where the attention was. And he finished offering the incense before God. He took was the same container he used to pack the coals. He's talking about that that sensor is a man. Mm. So he's saying the same man that did the priestly offering is the same man collecting these coals to release this thing on the earth. Mm. That's a royal priest. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so when he finished, he now picked up the coals from the altar and released fire on the earth. Listen, all the prayers that are said, their answer was one fire. Every prayer that ascended with the incense 
God's answer was one. Fire. But when that fire was released upon the earth, the Bible says there were voices, there were thunderings, there was lightning and an earthquake. In other words, fire was released, but different people received it according to their needs. Yes, yes, so the one that needed direction had voices. The one that needed something to be shaken on his behalf had an earthquake. The one that needed something to everybody had a result related to what his need was. But God's answer was fine. You need to understand, if you don't understand the ministry of incense, you will never experience the totality of the power of the utterance in your mouth. The Bible says, where the word of the king is, there is power. And no man can challenge you. That's what is written there. He said, when he speaks, who shall say to him, what are you doing? Who shall say to you? So, God gave us a template here. And if you look in many places, you will see that he uses that template. For instance, in Genesis chapter 1, when he wanted to create, the Bible says he allowed the spirit to begin to prove. To begin to prove. That's a priestly engagement. The, 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 the glory of the spirit filled the place. Saturated. It was when the spirit had finished in You understand this, you will be able to create like God. Because hear me, when God stopped creation, He didn't stop creation because He was tired. He didn't stop creation because there was nothing else to create. He stopped creation because He had created another creator. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. So the plan is that you continue. But how can you continue if you don't know how? So we need to come to the place. God's awakening. That means believers need to understand the ministry of incense and sacrifice. And sacrifice. There's no higher sacrifice than the one Jesus did on Calvary. But you and I need to know how to appropriate it. How to take advantage of it. You need to know how to take advantage of it. You need to know. You need to know. It's time for believers to begin to. You see why they started having midnight prayer? That midnight prayer. Eh? Midnight prayer was not said, was not put in place so that you can. Somebody said, ask somebody, why are you doing midnight? He said, eh, that between 12 and 3, no, when they're going to Jeremy's. So that he's waking up so that he can be intercepting their needs. Who sent you? The Bible says you are seated far above. You live far above and come far below to be able to stop people having meetings. Have you ever heard that the president left us so wrong to come and stop people that were having uh, a meeting or, or, or misunderstanding? That's an insult to your seated position. That's an insult. You shouldn't be the one saying, hey, we are praying, uh, uh, which is that? No! Let us find the witches. No, it is the witches that should be saying it's like believers are praying somewhere. They are doing something this night. Something is not connected in our midst. That's how it should be. So believers need to begin. The reason it was put in the first place was because of the quietness of the environment. Because in that place of quiet, you can engage with God. But we have shifted attention from God to the devil. How can you be a son of God and know more about the devil? What believers know more about the Antichrist than about the Christ? They know the end time agenda of the Antichrist. They don't know the agenda of the Christ. Yet you say you are the body of Christ. It's time for that to change. That means there are days God will wake you up in the night. All he woke you up for is just to sing. All he woke you up for. You just walk up. There's no prayer. See, listen. Eh? You see this thing about prayer points? It has put us in trouble. Yes. Listen carefully. Eh? Until your prayer gets to the point when you don't have a prayer point, you've not started praying. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hope some of you will remember that. Until that 
sheep and get lost. Do you know it was a lostness inside the glory that happened to Moses? Moses didn't climb the mountain and say, hey, brethren, I'm going for 40 days fast. No, he did not. No, he did not. But when he entered the cloud, something happened to him. He lost time, lost space. Stayed there talking with God for maybe 40 minutes in his mind. And came up and I was telling Aaron, ah, this 40 minutes, that's where you people are already. He said, look, 40 minutes. Okay, he's been gone for 40 days. Because he lost sight of time. Lost sight of time. There are days God will wake you up in the night. All he's waking you up to do is to dance. Because believers don't understand that beyond talking in tongues, there is a dancing in the spirit. It is an error that we need to engage with negative priests to understand our priesthood. Because what they are operating is something they stole from us. The problem is that we don't even know we have it in the first place. So you are watching, they call an occult priest. They say, eh, we want you to engage for us. Tell us what the gods are saying. You see the lady, she will come. She will begin to make enchantments. She will begin to talk. Talk in a language you don't know. Following your tongues and you have not been used. And they are not talking in your tongues. Saying in doing everything. Talking in strange tongues. And when he finishes, she begins to you're not hearing any music. But the lady is dancing. She's just dancing. Following patterns. Dancing. And all of a sudden, what you didn't know is that those steps she's tracing are opening pathways in the spirit. But you, the spirit will come upon you. You notice you have a nudge to dance. You say, no, this is not how we used to do it. This is not how I, if I start dancing now, how would they look at me? And I'm held down. I would like to dance The Bible says the day came upon David. Hey. Hey. David danced, his clothes went off. Nobody, he didn't send anybody. He was lost in that dance. He was lost in that dance. And the person that stormed him became the only barren woman in the Bible. Yes, the only. Yeah, there's God who wake you up and you just wake up. You don't know, you don't know why. You don't know what. You don't have prayer points. There's nobody attacking you that you want to attack. God is just waking you up. He just wants fellowship. He just wants fellowship. When last did you really fellowship with God? Devoid of order. Because it is out of the fullness of the incense that you release that you can now talk when that incense has saturated. And you talk and you now look at the things that have been looking at. And you open your mouth, and the utterance that comes from your mouth is as powerful as the utterance in God's mouth. That is what the Lord is showing us. God is awakening the church to a new understanding of the place of the altar. Of the place of the altar. Finally, let me just end by saying this. Because everything about priesthood has to do with an altar. Many of us know the story of Genesis chapter 11. They call it the Tower of Babel. Most of us know the story. We grew up with it. Many of us, if you ask us now, what exactly were they building? You will say they were building a skyscraper that was supposed to reach the heaven. And the question I want to ask today is, if you call all the cement and block manufacturing people on earth, and construction, and they start building, how high do you think they need to build before they pass the earth's atmosphere? The earth, this earth. Before they pass this earth's atmosphere. Then when they pass it, how much higher do you think they need to build to pass all the other planets mm -hmm. in our solar system? Mm -hmm. Then how much higher do they need to build to pass our sun? And then when they finally pass the sun, how much further do they still need to build to be able to pass because this is our solar system? Mm -hmm. There are billions of other solar systems in this our galaxy. Mm -hmm. So, how far do they need to go? Mm. 
And then our galaxy is one out of billions. So how much more do they still need to build to now pass our universe with billions of galaxies, which have billions of solar systems inside them? And I hope you know that the universe is not one. There's a multiverse. So what do you think they were building? Meanwhile, there's a place they will get to. Oxygen will cease. Sure. So what they all were they building? It's as simple as that. They were building something that was to open pathways across realms. What they were building in Genesis 11 was what Jacob saw in Genesis 28. The Bible says Jacob laid his head on a stone and the thing opened. And he saw a ladder set on the earth whose top reached the heavens. Mm. If you remember what they said, let us build a tower whose top will reach the heavens. What Jacob saw was what they were building. Jacob saw a tower at Bethel. They were building a tower at Bethel. Mm. But what were they building? They were not building a high building. They were building something such that when you come into that place, it will access across the walls. And that was that thing Jacob saw. That across different things, angels were transversing different realms and coming back. Sure. What were they building? An altar. Because it was an altar Jacob saw that day. They were building an altar. That tells you that an altar with a priest that knows how to engage the altar has access across realms. That means if you know how to engage your altar, you can access the realms of God. You can access realms of angels. You can access all kinds of realms. And the truth is this. If you have a man who can reach into the spirit and tap into something ahead of him, that man will lead his generation. Yes, sir. Yes. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith we know that God framed the world with the word. Yes, sir. It's not one word. It's words. So the man who has an altar has access across the all. The question is, do you know how to engage that altar? No believer can ever be stranded. No believer should ever be stranded because every believer has access. That's in Jacob. So angels are sending and descending. Angels are sending and each believer has at least a hundred and the question is, what are you doing with them? But God is awakening us again. He's awakening us again. There are times you wake up, it will be to sing. There are times you wake up, it will be to dance. There are times you wake up, it will be just to pray in other thoughts. No prayer points, no whatever. Just releasing sounds to God. Just releasing things, incense to God. And when that incense fills, it is the time for you to take the center and begin to address the things that have been addressing you. Lift up one of your hands to Jesus. Let it not be that you are engaging with somebody. You are fighting for a position. You are applying for a position. And the person applying for it is like the king of Moab. He has taken his first ball and slaughtered. And then you, you are just going around hoping that your CV will give you access. You need to know how to engage the higher altar that you have access to. Just pray in other tongues for a few minutes.
the world doing the fight because they have backed you up. So when you confront darkness, you confront it in the name of God. Thank you. 